everybody. It's another uh, episode of the of the show Struggle Session. Here we are. Uh, uh, I'm Jack Allison. I'm Jonathan Daniel Brown. I'm Leslie the Third. Uh, and we are joined today by uh, uh, actually in person, one of our very yeah. few in person guests. We're not talking to a disembodied uh, voice over the internet, uh, other than Leslie, uh, 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 Kendall Mayhew, who's actually here with us. Yes, I'm here. I'm real. <laughs> and this is totally wild. And I don't know how I didn't put two to get two and two together when we were putting the booking on, but. Kendall and I were in an acting class together <laughs> right. years ago. Like at eight years ago. Eight, eight, yeah, <laughs> like when I was 20. Uh-huh. And uh, Yeah, you were a baby. Oh, I was a baby. I was a <laughs> fat, immature baby. Uh, but it, it was a, a wild class. We were in an ongoing, oh I mean, at least a year together, right? And, no, and we this was at the James Franco School, together. correct? No, <laughs> yes, the, uh, yes, the, yes. John Rosenthal Studios. So yes. not far off, like we similar were, to the James we Franco School, probably. <laughs> well, it's they're, they're both a, in Hollywood. There's a spectrum. And they all exist on it. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and I actually know Kendall. I know from uh, from doing UCB stuff. I think that we were on Herald teams around the same time. For yeah, whatever exactly. that is uh, uh, worth. For whatever that is actually worth right. in the real just world. Like, just trauma. For, yeah, so it's for, like, yeah, uh, I'm with you. Uh, <laughs> just to break it down from <laughs> jargon, we were trauma. unpaid laborers at the same time yes. at the same place. Highly skilled. Um, so, so two of the three podcast hosts know you uh, <laughs> from the past. Uh, you're an organizer here in Los Angeles. This uh-huh. is what you do for a living. Um, and so, of course, you're a perfect fit to, to be on this show. So how did you get booked on this show again? I contacted the one person that I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we both should have known well enough well, to actually, ask you I on the show. Send Jonathan a Facebook message, I think it was. I don't have Facebook anymore. Well, it doesn't Who matter. Did you talk to? I don't Probably know what I did. I one of those Russian trolls, like, I also, bet. Anybody who's trying to get a hold of me on Facebook message, it's not happening. So. Yeah. so that's the way it happens. If you're the perfect guest to be on the show and you know two of the three of the podcast hosts, uh-huh. yeah. um, you should probably just reach out because no one will ever think <laughs> to ask you. <laughs> just DM me. My DMs are DM. open. That's for every podcast. DM Leslie if you want to get on any podcast. Then he'll uh, oh get it taken care of before I got your hookup. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm also I'm an actor and a comedian, so that's my real life. <laughs> but I yeah, Kendall's like I actually saying, funny. I am. I'm say? I'm exceptionally funny, <laughs> wildly funny, and talented. So, so what's been going on with you? I, I I haven't seen you. I feel like in in like what like probably six or seven years or yeah. something at this point. So Same. so yeah. what's been going on? What have you been up to these days? <laughs> um, well, um, what have I been? What's been going on? Um, I mean, a million things. Mm-hmm. Like, honestly, I mean, that's what happens when you're a, an artist in anywhere, is mm-hmm. you're just like constantly on the Working hustle, on a right? bunch of stuff. Yeah. Um, like, whether it's, yeah. you know, like you know, passion projects with your friends, the things that you always dreamed of doing, or whether it's like $200 for advertising like a shampoo yeah. or something like that. Which, like, I did earlier this week, I did a voiceover for a, um, I signed an NDA, but for a massive tech company. Wow. So that they could just completely underpay me the same way that they do for their warehouse workers. You know what I did a couple months ago was uh, I helped them write the uh, announcement video for that thing where Amazon gets to have the key to your house. (laughs) That thing where, like, Amazon gets to unlock the door. I helped them to unveil that, like, horrendous, horrendous (laughs) idea. Yeah, and you're like, cool, I'll take the money. I'm like, thank you so Uh, much for, like, enough for, like, two dinners. Thank you so much. (laughs) The night before the job – they don't tell you what you're working on like right. they just like you don't even know until you get there like mm-hmm. you book the job and then they're like 
you're going to find out tomorrow morning. Surprise, it's Exxon. So I, the night before, I was like, I'm already mad yeah. at my new employer. <laughs> like, I'm super mad. That was my problem. I used to try to go on commercial auditions because I was on, you know, Herald Team at UCB and they just and like what you do. give you an agent. Yeah, I mean, you know, UCB is a really wonderful place. And maybe we'll talk about this later, but it's a really wonderful place to learn how to act in commercials and it's, teach yes. rich kids to do the things that you always dreamed of doing. Oh, <laughs> like, yeah, it's exactly. a great way right. to teach them how to write on shows so they can go off and do right, it and then yeah. you can bring them next one through and teach them to do like I always thought about doing this but mm. you as a rich child it's you're so able nice to as, of as, the money, <laughs> as the money in really the comedy world and really the writing world in general and really all performance continues <laughs> to dry up uh, <laughs> there's still performance schools, opportunities like schools, Ryan Murphy a lot of these schools that, that you know that Kendall and I and and Jack were part of are starting to shut. Like we are seeing like a a like theater apocalypse happening in LA. Yeah, or because they refuse to deal with sexual harassment issues. That's well, a big no, problem a too. That's a major issue with them. Major, major sexual harassment problem. But that's this is Hollywood. It's it's un- built into it's it's a hundred years of assault and yeah. And degeneracy. Oh, that sounds awfully right wing. I, I can't use that word anymore. <laughs> we can't say degeneracy. Yeah, but it's fucked up. Like Hollywood yeah. is filled with like the most fucked up, heinous shit ever, and yeah. it has been since its inception. The, the but what's the, a lot of these these schools are closing though because simply like the jobs that they purport to create do yeah. not exist. That's an odd. Yeah. That's a problem with UCB. Is like you are. It's not just UCB. It's all of all them. Of these all schools. of them. But only I yeah, only say UCB because it's the only one I'm familiar with, and you know my circle of the world is the only thing that matters to me so i guess yeah, uh, uh, but i say i say ucb because they, they are tra- they're training enough people they're training they know how many people they're training yeah and there just is not enough work well, for that many people if you were involved in the theater when you and i were yeah which was i mean like i took my first my first ucb 101 class was the first 101 class that was offered at wow. the wow what theater. what a, what uh and i and i bet you went on to so was many amazing things well what was funny was that i was in college at the time in uh-huh. boston so i was back home for the summer because i grew up here okay and so at the end of it, everyone was like, cool, see you in 201. And I was like, I'm going back to college. Bye, you guys. <laughs> and then I came back after college and they were all on Herald teams, <laughs> which was a weird thing. But um, but when you when you saw what was going on there, I mean, I don't know about you, but like my Herald team coach, I remember telling me about the ways that the monetization was taking priority over the craft. Sure. Like at that point, and that was frustrating him. Yeah. Um, there, and this was 10 years ago, you know? There's so. a lot of issues. I, I think that there's a lot of issues that they could fix over there. And I mean, and this shit is just exceptionally boring to Leslie. So we'll probably move on quickly. <laughs> Leslie is the what? reason why we don't talk about this dog shit all the time it's, on the yeah. show. Oh, man. I, that, this what is, why we're not is doing... a Herald? <laughs> I, will, I will like send. Okay, all you I need to know is that it's Leslie. super important. Yeah. It's I will very send important. Leslie frenzied messages about <laughs> LA drama. That's like, we got to talk about this on the show, man. This is huge. And it'd be like nobody cares. We did, a, we did an entire episode where we like talked about how Jonathan got in Twitter fights with people, and then like at the end, Leslie was like, "We're not ever going to put this up. Like, no one gives a fuck about this. Like, outside <laughs> of Los Angeles." Your dad. That's awesome. <laughs> um, but uh, but the way that it does actually connect and relate, like, and in particular, like what I can speak to as a woman when this like Me Too stuff came out, because like I. I was taken off a Herald team in a mm-hmm. like completely fucked up fashion. Yeah, sure. But, like, I do remember that. Yeah. The, you do remember that. Oh, I cool. don't. Uh, a lot of people in the community remembered it because people would come up to me like <laughs> months later, years later, and be like, hey, what happened to you was really bad. Uh-huh. Literally. Uh, which was wild. Well, I don't but, know like really what happened, but it also we probably don't need to fucking like. We don't need get to get into, into it. But 
it, in general, like, I mean, I was a, I was a baby when I was on a Herald. Sure. I was 21. And, um, and it was really like a microcosm of, you know, the, and, and I think I mentioned this to Leslie about something I wanted to talk about, which is that with this Me Too stuff, like what gets lost in the conversation is the fact that we are like in, uh, as actors, we're also all working these other jobs where we get sexually harassed. Oh, like, sure, yeah. Like it doesn't take a lot for me to figure out that restaurant workers get sexually harassed because I spent five years as a sexually harassed restaurant worker because sure. I'm an actor. <laughs> yeah. Like, so, and that gets lost because of the fact that we have this massive income disparity in our union, where, which is larger than, I mean, that disparity is larger than any, I can't think of a union that has that. Mm-hmm. sag after. yeah. It's a mess. So I would love to talk to you about sag There's after. so much I want to talk about with that. <laughs> but, you know, the, and, you know, a big part of that is that, you know, as we have these celebrities rolling out activists, some of whom I've, I know personally or have worked with in organizing. I'm going like, is nobody going to talk about the fact that like a lot of actors are domestic workers? Uh Like that a lot of actors are restaurant workers. Mm -hmm. In fact, probably most of them. (laughs) And so more actors are, are are waiters than are actually actors. I always say it's easier to get a job waiting table. uh, Like it's hard to get a job waiting tables in LA than it is to get a commercial agent. (laughs) That is true. Because that's my experience. Um, so Leslie, just to back it up for one second, I'll just yes, one second please. here. A Herald team is a group of people that don't get paid to do an improv show like every Monday and then get criticized for it right after the show so and, a, and feel like shit. And you know, there's a guy named Del Close. Oh, no, it's actually, just, that's just not only do you not get paid, you actually are required to pay, you pay. your yeah, you have to pay the coach. The person, the person who, yeah. it, who criticizes you and makes you feel bad after every yeah. show, for a show you that have costs to pay a monthly fee. And then people who, yes, come to pay to watch right. the show and you don't get any of that money and yeah. uh, it's a really weird culty thing that we've all gotten ourselves so involved in so it's like exposure. a exposure it's, it's like exposure. reverse group therapy where you sign <laughs> well, up and pay for emotional abuse so, so yeah. the reason I, mean, I actually yeah. do bring up the history this guy dealt close who <laughs> created what is now modern short form improvisation is one Long of these like weird 60s, one of history's like, greatest monsters well he hung out with L. Ron Hubbard I and mean, Jack Parsons and all these like, yeah, he did. wild like, like, Notorious misogynist. Yeah, he was bad. I mean, he would like, like what's he built on is like a guy who would like take people up to the hills and like do ecstasy with them as like a teaching. A prince prince among men. (laughs) He created like an acting training system through comedy, which is like through, you know, uh, repetition and short form shows that are essentially based on picking suggestions from audiences uh, incorporating that into your themes of your shows, ostensibly running it through a bunch live. of algorithms in front of everyone. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's all math, really. Yeah, it, it no, is but, math. But I mean, honestly, like what what's what's interesting about these theaters having these problems is that that long form improv was a revolution in the art form and was really radical and was based on the idea of like radically trusting your 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 people who you were working with and like um, being like really honest to what you're experiencing. So there's like all of these yeah. things that are really great. Yes, that, go, that are very How good. How did we end up with a community that's so like yes. disjointed and not uh, not inclusive? Yes. No, no. UCB um, is a fucking principle. mess. Well, UCB is a fucking mess. It's all, hard, though, of, all of these programs are on paper trying very, very hard on paper to be inclusive. However, what it boils down well, to is the economics do not... When I say on paper, I mean they say it, <laughs> they write it down on paper sure. themselves and go, we <laughs> care yeah. about inclusion. You look at the policies. There's... But the policy... <laughs> I mean, what it boils down to is like nobody but the downwardly mobile children of 
the upper class can <laughs> truly consistently afford oh, yeah. five hundred yeah, dollars a month yeah. for improv training. Totally. Yes, that's what it boils down to. Yeah. Well, and then on top of that too, like I think that these people are just you know, uh, I don't. Okay, it's, I have complicated feelings about the people that run this place or whatever, and so I would say that like I have learned a lot specifically from them and so like much. about comedy. Like I have, there are you know there are classes I've taken that were like foundational that like taught me how to like do things with this craft that I like never would have known and have like led me to do things with my career that I like wouldn't have been able to do without them. So I have to say that as as like a ground as, as a base level thing. But yeah, but these that's what people, a lot of ex Scientologists right, say. But these people, no, 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 I, but, I but, just, but look, but look, because just because someone like. Like, is an exceptional comedy teacher who can teach you how to do comedy better than anybody in the world does not mean that they know how to run like a sexual harassment program. Absolutely. Like, that's the issue. Like, I'm like, I look at Matt Besser and I'm like, Matt Besser, like, you like did teach me things and I, I look at you as like such a mentor, but also you're maybe not qualified to be running, you know, a community and handling sexual harassment yeah. problems. Like, in I fact, don't, maybe you're disqualified. Yeah, and in fact, yeah, skill like, at this. I, I feel like I feel for the I feel for those guys. I think that they were massive unqualified to deal with this situation and also and I like I think we're a little too that quickly yeah. honestly it's like any organization that grows that quickly is is in trouble yeah absolutely one. I mean and I will second exactly what you said I mean the first time I saw a UCB show I was 18 years old it was in New York my mind was sure fell out of my head uh-huh. <laughs> I was so I was I was stunned right and so excited that you could do something like I mean, I'd mm-hmm. never seen anything like it it was amazing it was the stepfathers was the show uh-huh. and it blew my mind and I knew what I wanted like I knew what I wanted right. to do after college like Im- immediately I knew this was the next path for me in comedy and it did change my whole life yep. and I have so much gratitude for mm-hmm. that so it was so that's like what makes it especially heartbreaking it's heartbreaking <laughs> and I do think I think they do care is they, the thing. I, agree. I think that they care but I also think that they're not qualified to do this and like deal with it in a way that's like actually holistic I think they took advice from like bad people yeah. I think that they like in seeing that this was happening, they're like, oh, fuck, what are we supposed to do? They, like, got lawyers who were, like, get, get like, HR set up and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And ostensibly what has happened at UCB, I think, and it comes from a place, honestly, I do believe that it comes from a place with those guys of actually wanting to fix the problem, but that they're just – like at a base level unqualified to do it's that. It's the very un- structure of a for-profit comedy yeah. school with no degree totally. program. But also they're they're super insulated. Like that's yeah. the other well, thing. Okay, hold, you hold, get, all right. Sorry, Leslie, Bri- please. Brief We're in the weeds. For yeah. 99% of America, okay? <laughs> until until like this We're the 1% show. <laughs> um I if you if until I started doing this show, if you had someone had asked me what Upright Citizens Brigade was, I would have said if you what UCB was, I would have said, Oh, that was that show on Comedy right. Central. I think right. Amy Poehler was on. Right. Yeah. And now what you're basically telling me is that like it's a massive well, like university by coastal. Uh, well, <laughs> well it is you know, for you, know, profit. you know how like if you like heard about Smallville, you wouldn't have thought Alice and Mac was running Nexium on the side. Like, it's kind of one of those, those things. It's so analogous. Uh, what, it, what it boils down to is that uh, they have turned into a pipeline, and there have always yeah. been these comedy pipelines that have existed. Mm-hmm. It used to be the Groundlings, Groundlings. and yeah. the Improv Olympic in Chicago. Uh, and the second city uh, in Chicago. Chicago used to be the pipeline city for comedy. It was moved to the West Coast yeah, and the East the Coast. <laughs> Io, uh, New York got UCB and the Pit. Yeah. UCB got very big. Magnet. Moved to the West Coast. They now have a not only a major theater but a massive training center about a mile away. Uh, 
and, and, and look, and, the and, truth and, is you, and then there are like ancillary schools, but like the I clubhouse. Can, so if I can thread this though the, for Leslie, yes. yeah, please. here's like, here's why it matters. Like, and, and, and this is just my take. So, you know, maybe I'm completely out of line, but here's what I think. Um, you know, as artists, we are culture creators. That's how I always describe it. Like, and, and it's not just artists who are like entrepreneurs are, scientists are, tons of people are, whoever is coming up with something new, different and expanding on old things, like whatever we're culture creators now within, you know, within the creative arts, like within acting comedy is really the edge of that. It's where we fuck shit up. Mm -hmm. It's where we do crazy things and weird things. It's why bad things happen there. Mm -hmm. And it's also why good things happen there. But so why this is important. And again, like why when Louis CK went down was important that most people don't understand Mm -hmm. is the fact that like Louis CK, like, changed the way the business was run by having a deal where he had final cut mm-hmm. like that had never happened you know so so a lot of folks don't understand how influential these things are so UCB is super important because unbeknownst to the rest of the world it shapes a lot of what we see ending up on TV and in film and on stand up and whatever like it ends up being influential and that's yeah. why that's why it does actually matter and, and why and why degree. it's important you know that and, and I, I totally agree with why you why it's I, important that they're not you know letting people rape each other well of other. course and, and and also why the, the pay thing is such a big deal yeah, too is because is. like ultimately what's happening now is that this sort of fringe you know conversation culture starter mm-hmm. is being controlled by mostly people that are like trust fund kids like I'm not you know, I, I can't be too mean about it because, like, a lot, some of these people are funny, and I know some of them and everything. But there is like an inordinate number of like trust fund kids yep. at UCB, yeah. and if those are the people that are ultimately like creating what the fringes of our culture are, right. you know, are, are, if it gets too expensive it's a bummer. to get, in, and by the way, okay. this also goes to Leslie. Go ahead. Just, 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 just taking all that in. So what you just <laughs> described to me. <laughs> Is Scientology? Yes, just and they're all cults. Groundlings is a cult too. I love the no, shows it's true, there. They it's are. a cult. But like, Leslie, the big difference here, and, and this is what the like the founders will point to and everything, is that it's Scientology that it's just much less profitable. They don't make as much money. It's not as well run a business as Scientology. It's so really of course not. it's not as you guys, evil. Have you watched Leah Romini's show? Well, the Leah Romini, the, uh, the like behind all, the scenes yeah. Scientology stuff. I've always I've heard it's so good. With, it is it's so really good, good and it's so powerful. Uh, it's good. She's actually having the experience of of understand. She was a celebrity. She didn't know what yeah. was going on. They don't tell you yeah. what they're doing. So she's having the experience of in real time, yeah. starting to unpack and understand what she was a part of and they're, what she yeah. funded. They're gonna do. The they're gonna King do one of, of these. Money funded. They're gonna do one of these about Ed Helms and UCB. So. <laughs> <laughs> like cults are in right now. I, I, you know, I, I, I uh, self plug. I'm working on a cult podcast called Indoctrination. And then this Nexium arrest that uh, Leslie and I have just oh been God, talking about for the so last week. Whoa, Leslie, you want to you guys? Yeah, you want to talk about Allison Mack? You want to talk about Chloe? So much. It's Scientology, so- actually, I'm saying after all this other cult talk is looking good. Like yeah. uh, I watched some Scientology TV last night, and I'm like, man, no, no, like no, 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 these no, no, guys, no, no, the uh, don't do it. fuck, what are they called? There, there was a group on there that was called like the Jive Turkeys or something. What? Sorry, they're they're a swing band that educates people to not <laughs> use drugs, uh, and they all wear yellow. Anyway, go ahead, Leslie. <laughs> Yeah, so the next him thing is blows my mind. I'm a huge Smallville fan, huge Smallville fan, <laughs> and so the fact that like Ugh, Chloe, sweet Chloe, yeah. fantastic Chloe was the leader <laughs> of a sex 
trafficking in coke. and all your heroes are dead. It is, yeah. Oh even Chloe. God. Even Chloe. Even I thought Chloe, Chloe was safe. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, I was like, I have to give up Joss and Chloe? <laughs> yeah. So, like, if you've been following the story, it's like, you've known about... But when... If you... I, what I looked at last night, I actually just went to her Instagram page, right? Oh, no. Just as, and all it is is just her posting, like, selfies of her. Like, like it's, it's just like... Normie. It's It's just so like an actress... It's what? an actress Instagram. There's n- oh almost nothing weird on it. Like, oh, I'm in... Uh, I'm traveling. Oh, I'm on this show. I'm in a dungeon right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm supporting this charity. Oh, everyone, please help. It's just so, so important. Keith, Keith Renier, the leader of this Nexium cult, was oh arrested God. a few weeks ago in Mexico. Allison Mack mm. was just waiting to be arrested at this point. Yeah, it was just... The writing was on the he, wall. He, he, he was bankrolled by the heiresses of the Seagram's fortune. J.D.B. Claire, right. Claire Bronfman, the heiress to the Seagram's fortune, funded Keith Renier's entire operation. Whoa. Nexium operated as a self-help uh, like est like landmark education group, mm. which traveled and had bases all oh over God, the landmark. world because uh, they had billions of dollars to to basically siphon from this from uh, from Claire Bronfman. And then he had this secret fraternity of genre actresses that he targeted, <laughs> which is absolutely wild. So we had Allison Mack. Uh, Allison Mack living the dream. Grace Park, who I thought left whole, uh, Hawaii Five O because of you know with Daniel Day Kim because of you know, we talked Park about this in Blandy McWhite. Yes, uh, but I, she was part of the cult M- too. So wow. apparently his thing is to like to get these actresses in. Some mm-hmm. he doesn't really show all of them the fucked up parts, but then once he gets yeah. control, he'll like tell them to like quit their shows, which doesn't yeah. make a lot of sense to me. Like I'm, I'm just saying if yeah, I was get the, that money, yeah, yeah if I was a leader, sec- yeah, get that money, get the bag first, get that uh, paper. What are you yeah. doing? <laughs> Hawaii Five O money is like big money. Yeah. That's, that's, that's a well, network. Well, it's not, not like it used cool. to be, but it's a network <laughs> show. <laughs> when you got billionaire money and you have an industry full of people who are, essentially paid to be told what to say and do Um, and are very, very susceptible to groupthink, brainwashing. And and frankly, I mean, Kendall, and we're both actors. I mean, I'm not really acting much, but... What are you about to say? I'm saying that a lot of actors don't have critical thinking We have a very interesting opportunity for you. (laughs) In, 100% in, where do I sign? Would you say that's fair, Kendall, that a lot of actors Uh, don't have... 100%. Yeah. I mean, you know, and and, you know, you're also talking about like, and, and here's the other reasons why I think this is important, is that you're talking about folks who like come out here and have absolutely no support system. And like, I exempt myself from that. I happen to be from Los Angeles. Yeah, I we're to locals. Have a, I All three to have of a, us, yeah, actually. Interesting. That's crazy. Yeah. I happen to have a, a family that like didn't reject me for wanting to do this, sure. which is still a thing that a lot of people deal with. Is like, I mean, a lot, especially men, deal with like having families that go, oh, you want to be an actor? Right. That's that's you're gay and yeah. so you're disowned. and also just it's a joke like it's, and it's like a joke. it's a and joke we don't take it, it seriously and all this stuff and, and all, you're you conditioned know, to like believe that your career is a joke and like it so is like a fucked up thing i mean my it's also why they don't pay out of the good, closet yeah. at like 23 about being an actor oh, like man. she was like you're lying because i was telling everybody i was on a herald team <laughs> and i'm like going on auditions and i'm like i'm a writer this is just part of my process yeah. i don't actually like performing yeah. which is absurd the only thing i like is performing (laughs) everything else sucks um but yeah no so you are you're dealing with a population of people who like you know have come out here often with nothing and who like are you know really 
you know, like like Jonathan said, like susceptible because sure. and, and a lot of that is circumstantial. And you you know you don't have health care. I didn't have health care yeah. for three years when I was in my twenties. Yeah, like so that I could do this dumb thing. Also, nobody do it. It's a bad <laughs> idea. I, like well, don't just, be an actor. Uh, well, it's just it's broken. I mean, you are lo- you, you are losing to. our. You lose your jobs to like fucking YouTubers like, what's to now. Do? Like, what, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know what I would like. I would tell people not to go into entertainment, but then also if I read about any industry, I'd be like, maybe don't go into oh, any yeah. of them. Like, <laughs> here's the situation with entertainment industry, which I appreciate, is that like job security is not a thing, and like sure. that's so. All my friends who like have corporate jobs are like, I just realized like I might not have job security. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, my industry, that's just straight up. Like, you'll yeah, never right. have job We're security. Used to it. Where I'm so used to it, and I also like as a result of that, like I don't give a fuck. I like, yeah. and I've been able to get to that way earlier. And it's like you, at least we're honest about yes. it. At least. Well, I, I think that there's something <laughs> is that about better. Like, I don't there is know. honestly like I agree with you. Like people move out here, and so much of it is like you are doing this thing that you've been told is impossible. You believe that it could be possible for you, even though every single, every single, you know. Uh, uh, Every single thing, like, you know, every indicator is that you like won't be successful. Yep. So yes, of course they are. Everyone will be susceptible to something that's like I've got the answer. Like yeah. I can help you get to that point where you will Guru. finally feel that like you are justified in like the decisions you've made in your life so far. That's what UCB Plus, offers. That's what Scientology is, offers. Like, super pro cult. Yeah, like, right. California has <laughs> one of our very stands. Well, well, to, to be fair, to be fair. Um, <laughs> If you fall for Nexium, that also means that you probably had to spend like half the year shooting in Vancouver because that's where all these shows are shot at. Yeah, <laughs> and Tom, Tom, I actually watched Still West Coast. Yeah, I actually ta- watched Tom Welling and um, Michael Rosenbaum talk on a podcast about how miserable they were having to live in like middle of nowhere Kansas. Like, oh yeah, you're so famous, you're so rich, you're so successful. And like, they got to enjoy none of that. That was just like mm. 10 years, 10 of the best years of their youth that, sucked that out of their that's bodies. That's poor Carl from The Walking Dead. He just bought a house in Georgia and then they killed him. <laughs> that's that's another thing I, I, I think about. And this is not to sound, I don't want to be, you know, too, too complaining or anything like that. But that is something that people don't consider mm-hmm. about a lot of these jobs in Hollywood is that they are jobs and they are great. <laughs> Ruling they're blue and they collar are, jobs. I mean, like they're very. A lot of these things are like like writing on a show. When you're coming up as like a comedian or whatever, you are desperate to be a writer on a show because of what mm-hmm. that will mean about your identity, what that means about like that Social you know cachet. that you have succeeded and that like you know you are not a fool for believing in yourself the totally. way you've believed in yourself. Like- and so, so many people they're like, and when you hear that someone else got a job on a show or something, you feel jealous. You're like, what about that person? No one ever thinks about what the actual job is and like how these jobs are like extremely grueling and extremely difficult. Like as an actor, you all you think about is like, fuck, I want that. Like I want the you know. Right. Superman on Smallville thing. That's like my thing that I would dream about so I much. But you never think about living in Atlanta for like right. seven years in like a place where none of your friends are. And I don't I was, know. I was depressed for like two months because I was like the third choice for We're the Millers. <laughs> 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 I like saw it in theaters. I'm like, oh, this is so bad. Right. Yeah. yeah. 
That happens all the time. Yeah, that we, is the thing. Like when you get upset about like, like fuck, oh, I didn't book this thing or they. God, I'm not in there. Yeah. Jesus, <laughs> that's embarrassing. I mean, I think yeah, it is important to. And again, like like I was saying, it's like there's a there's a deep misunderstanding in the whole country about what it means to be an actor and like mm-hmm. what like the the fact that the vast majority of us are working class or poverty level. Yeah. Literally, um, you know, I know so many actors who are literally poverty level. Um, and in Los Angeles, one of the most expensive cities to live in, mm-hmm. and trying to make that happen. And also that, like, these are jobs that people demand that yeah. exist in our culture, you know? And when, and also, like, working, like, for me, for example, you know, and again, I talk about how, like, Me Too is the reason I didn't get a lot of jobs. I was partnered my whole, mm-hmm. like, all through my 20s, makes me sexually unavailable. That changed my career dramatically. Sure, yeah. Dramatically. Yeah. I knew I was not getting jobs because of it. I knew I was not making connections because of it. And um, too bad. I was trapped in a love thing. <laughs> yeah, what a fool. What a Whatever. fool to, to have love in your life. <laughs> He's all right. You didn't um, want it enough. You, you didn't want your chemistry. career want, enough. Yeah, I didn't want to prioritize my career enough. <laughs> you, the chemistry read requires you both be single so we can right. actually see the sexual Dude, connection. Dude, yeah, that's no, real. Yeah. And, you know, but... It's, like, disgusting. Especially on top like, yeah. of that, though, like, here's the other reason I didn't get jobs. Because of my fucking integrity. Because uh-huh. people knew, because I have always been this, like, weird, you know, defiant, social justice-oriented human. Sure. People knew I would fucking say something. Right. People knew I would tell. And that kept... You know, from a getting a shitload of jobs, it you know like, uh, frankly like I it ended you know, writing partnerships I had like sure. I didn't want to compromise on shit and that changed the course of my career. It does. It I does. I you know am a person who like I'm not going anywhere <laughs> like this yeah, is I feel what I'm too, yeah. doing so it doesn't really matter to me and I was happy to take the long term path. Yeah, but like I mean I I had I turned down and was turned down from majorly successful things in my 20s that would have compromised my values and my vision, especially as a white woman. Sure. Um, things that I would not do that other white women would mm-hmm. that were fuckery uh-huh. <laughs> over was, and over was and very, over again. Around that time, comedy was very... Uh, was very mansers. It was very like all bros doing things. Yeah, I think it was my I was friend. Taking off a Herald team, we were the only Herald team that had three women on it. And guess who replaced me? White <laughs> <dude>. <laughs> well, like, times are different now. Now, now it's all. Now it's it like was too much. <laughs> too much. Ten years know. ago, things were these, very, very different. But, you know, One like my college ago. comedy group. I can't tell you how many fights right. we had about like. Uh, where it was like, period jokes are disgusting. <laughs> we can't do that to the men in the audience. Right. Like, literally. Like, well, you're I like, love, okay. I love joking about bathing and menstrual. <laughs> I... Just like I, I was going to say though, with regard to the acting thing though, that like I think that this like belief there is this this popular belief that like actors are coddled, and that is the vast <laughs> vast few of them. Like it's there like, are yeah, so like few. Though, there are, are so few that are doing interviews all the time. Yeah, are. the ones who but, never talk. Here's the right. other thing: we have no solidarity in our union from Zero. the top income makers who are Control constantly the union. constantly taking jobs from people who sure. need them. Uh, the, taking voiceover work, like why is every why is <laughs> yeah. every campaign a celebrity? And like obviously there are market factors at work. There are these are huge companies that are sure. demanding that, but there is literally no visible solidarity from the top in our union about 
the fact that the conditions for working class actors, the, about the sheer volume of non-union work that's going on right now, that that SAG is not Thank doing you. In fact, they about. just like start. Didn't they just and like? Didn't they just make a voucher that was like actually more non-union work is okay? Yeah. Dude, like for we the, can't. For the we web cannot, ads. It's not sustainable. And like, yeah, it's not. Sustainable. We can't. We can't keep doing this. And the fact that we have these billionaires and millionaires in our union who are doing nothing about it, not to mention the fact that the other thing I want to talk to you guys about <laughs> off mic, which we don't need to go into. The, like, I do want to talk about like the community organizing work I do. Yeah, we but, will. Um, we will. We're, we're a half hour and we'll, we'll get it. We got plenty of time. The yeah. craft has changed and, and our unions don't recognize it. They don't the give a shit. Is, they know. Like, every commercial audition I go on, I am improvising and writing that commercial. Yeah, they, it's dog shit. Know. It's really fucked up. And they're not paying me for that. Yeah. And they know they can do it. And here's the thing. I don't want to not do that. Yeah. I want to do that. I'm good at that. Yeah. I just should be paid. It's why, good that the why, why hire a punch-up writer when right. you can get your actor right. to, to make the jokes on the fucking but fly? And also, the expectation for improv and not to not pay for improv is a whole Pretty much every commercial I've ever done, the, all the lines I wrote. Yeah, you just make it and, up yourself on the fly. And like, and that's fine because I'm good at it. Yeah. And I'm trained in it by yeah. Matt Besser, the best <laughs> in the world. Like, yeah. you know? <laughs> um, so I should be able to use those skills. Yeah. But the we fact that we haven't had them. a connection between the WGA and SAG around this work and understanding that, like, the like there is a huge sector of actors today who are slash this slash that. Sure, yeah. Not only actors, too. We've got, like, you know, this, what we have to be doing, and this is also, here we go, segue, uh, <laughs> what we have to be doing in general with the labor movement in this country is creating unity Union to union. We have mm-hmm. to be right. working together in solidarity with other unions. There's no union solidarity the, with the fact that zero. the production design workers and the and artistic directors right now just had negotiations and they are being, again, completely he, underpaid. The only, all, the only majority female union in this city mm. is, again, being underpaid. And you're not seeing other unions come out and say, this is not okay. Here's what's wild. SAG-AFTRA, DGA, and IATSE just came out together demanding stronger copyright protections along with the MPAA. These people work cool. with the fucking producers. <laughs> yeah, These people work so with the fucking money. We uh, demand the studios make WGA, more money. WGA is fighting to change the entire structure of agency packaging, which needs to change because it is now a monopsony and illegal as fuck to have a, a one company both package and produce and cast all in one, totally illegal. And, and with these four agencies acting as cartels, if the unions don't push back, we're fucked. Because right now the majority of SAG-AFTRA is making $200 for doing YouTube ads yeah. while people like Tom Hanks keep their fucking traps shut. Well, Where are these celebrities at the Oscars who scream it's about unbelievable. every cause ever except their own fucking backyard? Okay, it's I true. got a couple. I've got a couple things now that I want to get, get into. I know, I Number one, so fired I feel, I feel uh, uh, about this the... This is what happens when you have actors. <laughs> <laughs> I know. This is like... Uh, We're slash podcasters uh, um, now. Oh well, first of all, you're you absolutely are. right that everyone is like a, well, a slash why now are and we, like like why it is there a, well, are I mean, profitable all, podcasts that have guests on that don't I mean look I was just I was I was tweeting about fucking Earwolf and like I actually do think look like the guest thing is a little weird and like we're not paying people it yet we don't weird. have any fucking money we don't have any money on this podcast <laughs> we're not making any money yet where's uh, my money <laughs> uh, but so we're not I'll say that we're not paying people yet but, you know I'd like we to be able to. to pay people but I actually do think that like what Earwolf does in having like improvisers on the show improvising I think is different than being a guest I think that like when you're coming on as an improviser you are doing writing on your feet you are like creating what is making the show funny right. and I think as yourself you are in some way like 
promoting ideas that you have or you're getting to be yourself or like promoting something. You know what I mean? When you come on as yourself, you're getting to be. I think it's different with improvisers. I really do. I think that like uh, Earwolf built this this like brand and then they ultimately were able to sell it as like the most profitable advertising company in podcasting. And it's all off of like the writing that people came on to do for free on these podcasts. And I'm like, I feel a little weird about that. I mean, Uh, I think what it comes back to for me is just that like in general – institutions do not keep up with the changing culture. Sure. And so what we're seeing, and that's what happened with SAG, it's like, yeah, uh, well, new media, they were like, I don't know. Is it going to last? Uh-huh. Yeah, like, like, you know, like, <laughs> that's what happens <laughs> is that the culture changes and institutions need to keep up yeah. or they fail. And so what it's the same thing with podcasting and even things that are, you know, it, it, there's also this fundamental, like, fight against unions that's been going on in this country for Forever. 40 years yeah. that has been really damaging. And what it comes back to is, like, you know, we have we have workers in Hollywood who do, like, highly skilled, like, ver- like visual effects and stuff who are not unionized no and union who for- fundamentally think that they shouldn't have a union because they're being paid well. Right. Because that makes sense somehow. Um these but VFX that's, guys, sounds by the way, my dad was sustainable. Okay, they work that's you like. the narrative. Have you that seen Life After fed, Pi, Kendall? And that's what capitalism does. What? Have you seen Life After Pi? I don't remember. Oh, it's a, it's a documentary. It. Basically, the entire VFX crew. Oh, Life After Pi? Yeah. So there's no, that movie Life that. of Pi. Life After that's, Pi. I thought you were talking about Life of Pi. I was like, yeah, I yeah, yeah. don't know. Have you seen The Life of Pi? <laughs> <laughs> no. Life After Pi. I don't pie. love Pi. Life After Pi is a short online documentary. It sounds delicious, but it's actually very sad. I didn't see the documentary, but I do know this. The entire VFX while um while like Ang Lee and all these producers were like on stage mm-hmm. getting their Oscars for the mm-hmm. life of Pi, the entire VFX crew was being liquidated and was out protesting yeah. in front of the Oscars. Yeah. Unbelievable. And massive amounts of security barriers were put in place mm-hmm. so that the cameras would never touch the visual animators. Right. And at one point, one of the producers, or I think it might have been one of the visual effects editors who actually won an award, was about to mention the crew getting destroyed and having their jobs ruined, and he was music dog. Cut, uh, cut the mic. It's getting too real. Um, I was going to say just briefly, though, uh, uh, with regard to this thing of like all the, like, you know, it's Tom Hanks doing all the voiceover ads for car commercials and it's everything weird. like that. TJ Miller is Mucinex. I agree with you. I agree Why with are you. those still running? I, Why are those yeah, still I know. running? Are you TJ Miller is just TJ tweeting Miller through is it. A, TJ Miller is like, Miller is a rapist. I know, but like he, he's why the one. Why is there? Why they are, is that happening? Everyone's guys, okay with it for some I reason. I ran into like, him in a also, TJ Miller and I had a panic attack because that's what happened. Like I was yeah. raped by a comedy guy in college. Not a comedy guy, but a funny guy. Yeah. You know, like this is real. Yeah. Like this is, and this also segues into like the other, the project that I'm working on that I want yeah, to talk please. about. Yeah, let's talk about it. Um, yeah, so my my writing partner and I built a website uh, like a year and a half ago. I don't know if you guys got a chance to look at it. It's called howtonotrape.com. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's an yes. online university. It's a very useful resource. resource. It's an extremely center. useful resource. Um, right, because what we realized was that, you know, a lot of people don't know how to not rape. Mm-hmm. It's about um, education. Right. Absolutely. So like, you know, I... I'm lucky enough to mm-hmm. who have always known how to not rape. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a privilege, really. It's a privilege. It's, it's a, it, you come from a p- honestly, privileged background to even have that, you know, uh, uh, information. Uh, I don't know. I honestly, like, I don't know who to even thank. <laughs> but, um, but, and also just that, like, a lot of people don't know how many different ways you can not rape. Uh-huh. For example, what we're doing right now uh-huh. is not rape. This is one of the scenarios in which a rape is not raping. occurring. How but wonderful. We're doing, yeah. yeah. We're, um, no, but so the, the origin of this, like, 
came out of my writing partner, Charlotte Robbie had a tweet that I was obsessed with where I was like walking around at parties with the, with my phone to show it to people, <laughs> sure. like a crazy person. But it was, um, you know, um, not to be ableist. I personally am, have mental illness. <laughs> The I'm party. trying to not say crazy. It's hard. I'm trying. That that is it's one of my big one. struggles on this show. Especially, really I think tough. Leslie cuts me around all the time. But I like say crazy and insane so much. Really I'm trying hard. my best as the product of legacy mental illness sure. and person with mental illness myself. I should really, you know, but isn't know it better. our word? <laughs> it is my word. Um, no, I. Uh, so she had this tweet that was a uh, saw a group of guys. I don't. I always. I always fuck up the wording, but it was like saw a group of guys walking home late last night. Hope they got home safe without raping anyone. <laughs> and I was like, we gotta keep them safe. <laughs> like we've been doing this all wrong. These young <laughs> men need help. Safe. When you, watch, when you watch Death Wish and you see Jeff Goldblum's character, you think, man, if we only had taken care of him, so he would have gotten to this point. Dude, but, well, well, what it is about so, it? So that, but so that came out of you know, and then I I made her a bracelet. Um, this bracelet I'm wearing, I brought them for you guys, Leslie. I'll oh, beautiful! I'm happy to mail you one. Oh, thank you. Um, you're welcome. And it's just a reminder bracelet. It says, "Don't rape anyone." Look at that! I'll in take letter, the, uh, in letter beads. I'll take the blue. I like because, blue better. This is only a nice reminder for me. It's easy to forget. Yeah. And we need reminders, obviously. Yeah. Otherwise, we wouldn't. Be in this, yeah. you know, rape-heavy world. It's a, it's a little tight on my wrist, but that'll be good for me to remember okay, it. Yes, I'll, I'll look exactly. at it all the it should, it time be and remember the message of it. It should be painful. Yeah. It should be yeah. painful. It should be a painful memory. Like a hair this shirt. is like this is like the Nexium brand branding, <laughs> but like uh, nice. So we kind of like when and this it was so weird because we built this website like during the primaries and of the you know the thing. Oh, in the before time, sure. Yeah, in the before time <laughs> and the pre <laughs> And like we weirdly like we decided to model our logo on the Trump University logo, so we like wow. took the it's Prezient. like yeah, and then like literally a month after we finished the website, the pussy tapes dropped and wow. we were like, "Whoa!" <laughs> like but what but what we came to was like we were like, "Oh, this is a thing that we like also, you know, both of us having like experience this, mm-hmm. which I think pretty much every woman has experienced some level of sexual. I mean, I, you know, frankly, like I go through it on the daily, like sure. essentially, like if I walk outside, something is going to happen. I live in Los Angeles. Like that's how it is. Um, but the, the reality of it was that another thing that we thought was really fucked up is this narrative we have around people who have survived sexual assault, harassment, et cetera, which is like, okay, well, you know, You'll you'll be able to get better, but like you're never gonna like really be uh-huh. complete, right? And oh. like yeah. that is so yeah, fucked that up, is. Yes. and that has never worked for me. And like you know, like I've been sexually assaulted multiple times in my life. I'm good. <laughs> like actually, I'm fucking great. I'm awesome. My life rules, and like I'm really cool. Uh, you know, so and you're not and, shattered and broken forever, right? And, and we can't... need and we need and that, in particular that happens to people who are victims of like childhood sexual sure. Molestation and things like that and sex trafficking um so there's and that has to change and and so what we were like okay we're like we don't need to change like one aspect of the way that we talk about rape sure we need to change literally everything about the way we talk about this because we also like the reality is the reason that joke is funny about keeping guys safe is because i have been raped i would never want to be a person who's raped 
and uh-huh. I would I would much rather be me than them. And there's something really important there about like what it takes to have to be in a culture that allows for this to happen sure. and that supports it. Honestly, in many cases, which is like what happened to me in sure. college, like it gets supported Especially in by college, a culture like yeah, that is like. I don't know. It's fine. She's right, hammered. Right, right. Whatever. Um, so you know what, and like, and and also like that. Just as a prison abolitionist, mm-hmm. it's like, yeah. Also, I don't want people locked up. Yeah. Right. Over this, because who is really at fault here, and like, what is really going on, and 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 I don't have the answers, but I do know we're talking about it wrong. Yeah. And I do know we're not actually talking about it in a way that's honest. Do you, do you think the way that? Um, I mean, it's interesting because. We, we have sex offender programs and things like that where people are basically, if they are convicted, they're marked for life. But the yeah. problem is, is that so many of these cases just go completely unreported. And the problem is that, that the sex offender laws often force people back into lives of crime. So how? <laughs> also, let me ask you a question. As someone who is for sure. victim rights and someone who is also a prison abolitionist, how do you I know, parse weird, this? right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What is she talking about? Yeah, That's it's, crazy. It's, your you beliefs are impossible, that. unfortunately. No, I'm just yeah. <laughs> I don't exist. Um, which is what happens to leftists. Uh-huh, absolutely. Like, oh, no, they don't. No, they're not real. They don't. No, they can't. Um, yeah. So, I mean, and I think what it takes is really like context, right? Mm-hmm. We have to actually really contextualize all of this and take a way bigger look at what's going on and not try and create a tiny solution right. to a massive fucking problem. Yeah. So, you know, uh, you know, and we have to look at who, okay, so who does get put on the sex offender registry? Mm-hmm. You know, it's disproportionately folks of color mm-hmm. yeah. and it's disproportionately people who don't have any money. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that like these college rapists aren't put on the sex offender registry right. because the shit gets handled at their private college university and it never goes to legal. Right. Which is just bizarre. Which is in disgusting. the first place. It's just bizarre that, that Which that, is why like, why do colleges have that they're like the jurisdiction ends here. Which this is, is of why course a this college. TJ Miller thing. It's like, yeah. okay, here's what I need to know. TJ Miller's rich lawyer dad could only get his his dismissal from college kept quiet. Yeah. yeah shit went down. Shit I went, went down to a TJ private Miller. university. I know what happens. That yeah. means something fucked up. Also, happened. on the record, uh, TJ Miller, like a week ago, called in a bomb threat. So this yeah, is just a guy. Why, why is he still in the, like, why is he still why is in, he in, being, in Deadpool 2? Why is he not being taken care of? Like, this is a dude who had clearly has massive yeah. problems. Yeah. Yes. This guy and has some serious massive problems with alcohol and with mental illness. Yeah. And he's not being taken care of. Yeah, that's true. And so. Well, that is that's a big thing that this industry will do is like so long as you are like churning a profit and making money for people they're like let's keep the balance like he's an alcoholic but it's all okay so to answer your question Jonathan like the reason why I can like can handle these two things is because I'm a human and I can hold multiple (laughs) ideas at once and that's what like in in general that's what you know the ruling class of this country doesn't think anyone is capable of is the fact that I can go like yeah rape is bad also prison's not the answer and like also, the fact that we, you know, routinely use the idea that you're going to go to prison and get raped as a punishment. I mean, it's just, is that's wild. Also, and also a that's huge just, part of this that, conversation. That, 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 that is a joke. Like, that's as common a joke as, like, knock, a knock, knock joke yeah, now. Like, like, knock, that is knock, like, knock, who's there, it's don't not, drop the And soap. it's not just a joke. It's an actual yeah, it's a threat, threat but it, that yeah, police yeah. use yeah. constantly. Yeah. 
yeah, to harass like, I people. Was, I was just watching SVU last night, and a couple seasons ago, they actually stopped doing that joke, that thing. They actually had an episode where a yeah. guy who was raped in prison after one of the detectives threatened him with it, came back and like started and like framed one of the detectives for murder, and Benson had to apologize. I should have never said that, and that was like the show apologizing for like fifteen yeah. years. For, like, yeah, that, that was fifteen yeah. years. Yeah. Going, like, what have I done? You know, yeah. and and here's what I'll say about like in doing so. Part of what what Charlotte and I did in this project was we were like, okay, cool. We're not going to do this project without doing a shit ton of research. And so we reached out to academics who study this. We reached out to direct service providers. We did a full two day workshop on how to um, how to work with victims of sex trafficking. Mm-hmm. We did a ton of like we we basically did everything we could think of and continue to um, because we want to have a holistic understanding of what mm-hmm. we're actually making jokes about because we think that's how you make better jokes. Yeah. Because um, we're comedians and we sure. care about the jokes being as <laughs> you funny as possible. have to make sure possible. it's the right take, too. You know what I mean? That's and what we want to be able to, We want to be able to stand up to, like with whatever we talk about sure. and be able to speak to it. And we can. Um, and, like, you know, in doing all of that work, like, we've just been able to really understand much more about, like, why you know and here's the reality like the reason i'm a comedian is because comedy is my favorite subversive tool yeah and people laugh before they understand why and that's how you educate people and i use that in my organizing work as well like by by making people see you can see the absurdity of something yeah if you if you because we always laugh because something is true sure and and then we go oh Oh, 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 fuck. Comedy is basically just, I mean, and I'm, and I'm not sure, like, I, I go back and forth on, like, the effectiveness of comedy to actually change minds, to be honest with you. I think it's a really, really exceptional I tool. I think it's an exceptional tool for, like, exposing things yeah. as being odd, but I'm not so sure how much it changes minds. But, you know, but also because I just, like... Sometimes, like, when I hear comedians talk about, like, what they're doing, I'm just like, okay, you know yeah, what I mean? Well, I think, you know, it it's like any tool. It, yeah. it can be used in different ways. Yeah. But I – but and also, like, so as a Los Angelino who, like, went back east to Boston College of, and got a political science degree in a very mm-hmm. conservative department, like, I also know how the ways that – people in academia and in politics and in the ruling class think about cultural power and it's that they go uh, not important. And the reality is that cultural power is massively important. It's potentially more important in my opinion than like military and economic power. Uh, But I had professors in college who would literally start a semester by saying like soft power is irrelevant. But I, but I actually (laughs) wonder, I'm actually now soft power is irrelevant. Why is the kingdom of Saudi Arabia (laughs) courting? I know, but my, my now I, now I feel like there's no holes. I almost feel I feel like the ruling class now has like got gained an understanding about the importance well, of it, and that's also bad and scary. Totally. Like I'm like I feel like Obama and Trump both like had a pretty decent understanding totally. of so it, like, and they're using we, it for bad if stuff. We on this side well, are not, not fighting yeah. with all of these. Yes, tools absolutely, 100. And not having a deep understanding of them and how <clears throat> yes. they work, then we will lose. Yeah, I didn't mean to. I don't. I don't mean to say that comedy is 100 not effective. I just like. <laughs> no. Yeah, and I do think it's a great way but, and, to expose people to ideas, but because what comedy ultimately is is it's just an observation about the world where you. <laughs> Structure it so the surprising part comes at the end of the sentence. That's ostensibly what it is. Don't and you can give use... away our. <laughs> That's basically what it is. So you can use that for any observation. And, you can use that for good observations, but you just have to make sure to make it a surprise and have it at the end of the sentence. <laughs> and Kendall, what I want to point, yeah. what I want to point out is that your your how to not how to not rape, it's <laughs> it's comedic and serious and it's joking about something that's right. really fucked up and really bad. 
and that's okay. Like that's a well, yeah. that's not a bad thing to right. do. We're what we're trying to do is open up the conversation for people. And what was so interesting was that you know when we sent this site out for feedback, we tried to get feedback from as many different people as we could who are different in different ways and all this stuff. And uh, we got back people who were like, "This is hilarious," and then we also got back people who were like, "I think this is hilarious, but people are going to be right, offended." Right. We got none of people who were actually offended. offended yeah. yeah, we actually got one person who told us to put a trigger warning on it, and we were like, "The URL is uh, how to not rape." Like, how do you? You should trigger should warning yourself. Trigger? It's a warning right there. I don't know. Yeah, how to do that just logistically, <laughs> but. Um, so like and and what's interesting about that and and what what Charlotte and I are trying to do is go the the lefty-ish or center-left com- comedy that we have right now in mass media is all like before we can talk about, you know, the patriarchy, we have to prove to you that it exists. And that's bullshit. And nobody needs right. that. I don't need to be, I don't need to be, to be demonstrated to me that systemic racism is a thing. You can get right to the jokes. You mean yeah. you don't need and to that's have what we're the doing. comedian look directly into the camera in the middle of a scene and go, and that's why this is an issue. Exactly. Yeah. So, and, and what it's doing is actually being completely, um, you know, shitty to your audience who, who are capable right. and who do know about this. And that's a complete underserved market of people out here who are going like, yeah, can we like get to the solution? Because, and and that's our angle is like, actually what we want to do and like what we're doing now, which we'll be releasing our our first video content soon, which, um, you know, we're like interviewing people about how they've been able to not rape (laughs) and have success. Did it, how did it work? (laughs) I don't know, you know, but it, it is, and there is a culture of like, we expect these men who, who are well, they're monsters, but like we expect them to apologize. But who, how the fuck are they supposed to? Who has ever done it before? Nobody right. has ever demonstrated how to be accountable, right. how to properly take accountability for what you've done and make reparations. Because guess what? We still don't have fucking reparations. Right. I mean, I, so I, like, how is anybody supposed to be expected to behave properly when we don't have, we, when like, we had a candidate who couldn't fucking apologize yeah. for her fucking emails. Sorry, I'm listening. I'm like weirdly like hate listening to Shattered. I read I read all of Shattered in, in two days. So I'm I, uh, listening to I'm it obsessed. on an audio CD that I uh, checked out from the Burbank hey, Public Library. Uh, if you'd really uh, like check, to get mad. Y'all uh, check out your local public library and support them. Because those I, yes. are the real... The real heroes. They actually literally, are. Literally. I was going to say though, if you if you really really want to get mad, uh, <laughs> I have the uh, I have the the book Hillary wrote. I have the one she did, oh, God, and okay. she reads the audio book of it. <laughs> she reads the entire thing. If you want to look like like into like a Lovecraftian, yeah, like if you want to look into the abyss, like wanna. you can. I did it. I did it because I'm, I'm the, fully there. Have, have you guys seen the, uh, the Amy Chozik? Yeah, the Amy Chozik book. That's uh, new and bold. Boy, is it funny as fuck. You guys. (laughs) But but like what I'm saying is that like, so it's like, what can I do as a, you know, as a comedian? Like, how can I make this tool actually effective and leverage it? And like what what has gone on is that like it's super informed by my organizing work. And I Mm -hmm. use comedy in my organizing work, you know. The the um, the org I work for, uh, People Organized for Westside Renewal Power, Los Angeles, um, has been around since 1999. Uh, my partner is the executive director now. We are structured very differently from the majority of grassroots nonprofits. We um, we organize in Venice. We organize in Mar Vista Gardens, which is a housing project near Palms neighborhood mm-hmm. of L.A., and we organize in Pacoima. 
um, which is a neighborhood that has been just completely ignored by everyone forever. It's been completely um, neglected. Um, and there's a housing project there, San Fernando Gardens, we organized there. So and you're in the 818? <clears throat> yes, we are in the 818. <laughs> I grew up. You grew up in the Valley, too? I did. I Well, I moved around a lot as a kid. Like I said, I'm a product of massive mental illness. <laughs> uh, so I did live in the Valley for a little bit, but I also lived in like everywhere else in Los Angeles because mm. we just couldn't. We, we had a wild. We're rich. We're poor. We're rich. We're poor. <laughs> like, hey, like that's like that is, is that's crazy. the case in Los Angeles. Did your parents work in entertainment or what did they? No, oh, okay. They well, yeah, we don't need to. <laughs> I know. Think how crazy they had to be to not work in entertainment and be that unstable. It's wild, you guys. Um, but the so power so power's orientation is essentially uh, we don't have like the org doesn't have. Um, a uh, agenda. Our agenda is what does the community want? And to that end, our executive board is all made up of our community members. So they actually are the ones who decide uh, our budget. They decide what we're doing. They decide everything. And this is like shockingly in my mind, even in the world of like community organizing, this is a pretty radical model. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, like, we don't we also don't have like a management structure really. We have like, you know, Bill is our executive director, but he's also our lead organizer. Mm-hmm. So we don't do the like there's no separation. Um and so cool. my job is to take cues from the community leaders, do what they want and facilitate the work that they want to do because our our orientation is that you know, and and this is my personal belief is that you know low income communities or no income communities in this country are our nation's greatest untapped natural resource. Uh, they're chock full of people who are wildly creative, ambitious, yeah. innovative, brilliant, often really well educated. And honestly, with credits like, that don't transfer into the U.S. Yeah. Like you're talking about, and in particular in Los Angeles, which is the city people move to to fucking do something. Yeah. Uh, you're talking about the most incredible source of of power, right. uh, and that what is what's happening is these are people who are deprived of time, deprived of resources, uh, and deprived of support in many ways. Um, but they are fully, you know, capable of everything, right. and more than yeah. most people Absolutely. are. Absolutely. Um, so you know, no, I'm I think that's constantly great. inspired by them. That sounds like the uh, what's it called? Like the it's a little like what the 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 structure of governing is in Rojava. The uh, the thing that you're talking about there with like the, what you guys are doing with the uh, uh, the community tells you what they need, and you guys kind of yeah, try like, to facilitate I don't, it. You know, we don't need like nobody knows more about public housing than public housing residents, right? And the fact that we in Los Angeles have you know, a housing board that doesn't have anybody on the board who lives in public housing yeah. is ridiculous. Yeah. Well, it's just inefficient and stupid. Los Angeles is and continues has always been and continues to be run by the children of global wealth. That's right. It's what, a, the it's city a fun is like a dumping ground for rich. shitty rich kids. Well, yeah. it's, wanna... you know, and here's what's up though, is that like what we have to, what we have to do in terms of like the way that we talk about this is we have to go, it's not going to be like this forever and it doesn't have right. to be because that's what we come up against is the, the thing we come up against whenever we ask for anything is, uh, well, but where has it been done before to show me that it could be done? And like, the reality is like nothing cool was done before. Yes. Like that iPhone that I have over there wasn't done before. And guess how they developed it? By literally saying, don't think about cost. Right. So, you know, we cannot, we have to innovate outside of a capitalist system and then apply it into mm-hmm. the system. And that's what 
poor people do. Yeah. And so, you know, when somebody was asking me why, like, why, why, like, I'm with you, but why do you keep saying that women of color have to be centered? <laughs> and I was like, well, okay, here's why. Uh, because the nature of this world is that, like, I, even I as a white woman, uh, grew up without examples of the life I live today. So I had to make it up. Whatever thing I wanted to do, I had to make it up. So the more the the more oppressed you are in this culture, the more you have been forced to use your imagination just to fucking live. Mm-hmm. So you have, by the nature of your existence, access to the thing that we want most in our leaders, which is imagination and innovation. And also, like, you know, the way, like, making it work, making new things. So it's like, yeah, like, of course the people I run into who are least hopeful about the future are white dudes. Like, (laughs) because you've never had to figure anything new out. (laughs) Yeah, I know. It's, like, wild. But, like, that's why. Because, you know, like, and Oh, what we've tried isn't working anymore. (laughs) And, and like, we've tried everything. So And, like, here's the other part. Anyone can get there. Anyone can get there. And there's lots of different ways that we're oppressed. You know, a lot of the ways that I've dealt with trauma and, and the oppressions I've dealt with are really invisible, um, you know, to an outside observer. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, so it's not, you know, it's not to say that people can't get to that. They can, but like, that's why we talk about radical hope. Mm-hmm. Like, because having hope, there's nothing more radical than that to say, like, actually, I think it could fucking work. And that's why, like, with our website, we're like, we have, I, I don't have stickers. I, we have stickers. My partner has them. I don't have them. The bracelet is say, more than any sticker, great, of course. We have stickers that say, you know, we believe in a, uh, the power of not raping to change the world. <laughs> and like, you know, I, we a, talk all the time. Belief, we actually. believe in a world without rape. And people are like, well, I don't know. I'm like, well, uh, yeah, I think it could happen. Many people are able to not do it. It's, there are many, I'm many managing out there. it yeah, just there are many fine. Many people out there who have not done it. Um, um, I like your optimism. I, it's rare. Well, I do like it, your optimism, actually. And I, I am not just one rare, of these hopeless white dudes. Like, and we, so, have, <laughs> we have to have that because. You know, fundamentally, why the fuck are we doing anything if we cannot get behind it? Absolutely. And if we don't believe we'll win, then why are we doing it? And and also for me as a white woman, you know, I know that like I I'm the one who wants to go like I don't know. And my right. leaders, my bosses are the ones who would never fucking do that. Well, so you know, it's like I how think, dare I? I think I think, I think you're also a uh, doing a bit of good prep work because if 2016 was about <laughs> white men, 2020 is going to be all about white women. White oh, women God. are next. <laughs> yeah, it's brutal. It's yeah. Guys, very, we're I know, the so worst. <laughs> <laughs> speaking Honestly, of, it's like the, oh my Hold god! On. Yeah, Leslie. Speaking of, um, we wanted to dedicate this episode to <laughs> a very important white woman who recently <laughs> yeah. passed away tragically, oh tragically yeah. at the age of we all have one hundred and seventy years old. Um, <laughs> Bar- really Barbara Bush. Rest yeah. in power, as the Women's March said on Twitter. <laughs> so what the fuck? Like, Unbelievable. Uh, they the said they said on CNN, and I don't know what this even Rest means, but somebody said they said uh, she will go down in history as America's first lady. I'm like, <laughs> I, I, I suppose that's a fact. I almost that is true that she will go down as in history as I mean, one I of America's first ladies. This, I was like, what was exceptional about her life? Like being the only non-war criminal in her family. Like well, well, Jeb, Jeb is breathing a sigh of relief. Dude, for the first time dude, in his life, he's like, "Oh guys. my god!" I can- there's so there's so much like, look, okay, I'm there's there's things I I. 
it's hard for me because I do like Barbara Bush because she totally clowned on Jeb to his face when he I said know, that, that uh, really when fun. he said that it was his favorite okay, son. She, did one she was fun like, thing. no, that was a wonderful thing. Like, I know that, that she, like, whatever. Fun. That was a very wonderful thing. And so I, I do. It's not wonderful. I she's wish I could just, be there today. She's just mean. That's all it is. Yeah. She's just mean. Okay, that's a good, that's a good angle. That's a good point. That's a good point. She has had a reputation for, like, for being off camera super, super nice. But at the same time, like, how nice could you be if you were married to George H and then your son is George also, W? Also, who cares? Yeah, who Why cares? are we even talking about this person yeah. this much? Yeah. Like, it's, it's over. Cool. Done. Yeah. Whatever. I mean, also, like, the idea that she's exceptional because she was both the mother and wife of a pr- of different presidents. I'm like, that speaks to the fu- how our system is fucked. Yeah. Our system is fucked. That's there should never have been anyone. And also, you know, all these, like, people reporting and talking about it, they need to watch, like, the sentence because it always sounds like the same person when they say it when they're like she was the wife and mother of yeah. a president I'm like the uh, same one done that. <laughs> that's weird that she did that yeah it is weird um, there, there, there shouldn't have been there should not be a person who was the mother and uh, uh, wife of I a president but I am glad you're dedicating this episode to her because the weaponization of white womanhood is the biggest fucking it's so horrible it's, it's the bad. worst thing We're too ever it's a to nightmare talk about it. we'll let you do it Ken. well i mean like <laughs> oh i can talk this, about it. i talk about it yeah a lot. Leslie, let's <laughs> talk Leslie. about it because like and i think also like you know i think that this is actually something that like black men and white women have in common which is like this very weird existence where you are simultaneously oppressed and oppressor <laughs> all the time yeah. constantly everywhere you go in your body and like for me i know in my like process of you know growing up and being a human once i started like anytime i in the beginning when i would try to hold both of those at once i would just cry because i'd be like ah it's so bad (laughs) i don't know how to be um and you know it's still really difficult because it's something that you're like it's it is a it is a, a real like internal spiritual crisis that you're in, um, and reckoning with your legacy as a white person is hard already, uh, and also like you know it's just it's just fucking crazy. <laughs> it's fucking weird We're not supposed and crazy. to be using the word crazy. I know. Remember? <laughs> well, it is crazy. Well, I, I, don't I know. guess is the thing. Okay? I guess the thing for me is always is like you know. I being like I feel like it's a very liberal neoliberal thing where like you get point oppression points like right. for however yeah. many it's oppre- all competition. but like I've always like kind of rejected that notion because mm-hmm. I grew up you know next to you know dirt poor white people too right, right. so I could mm-hmm. see that no matter how oh my gosh my kinfolk that's where I come from <laughs> yeah. so I always knew that like no matter how fucked up racism was <laughs> and how racist these dirt poor white people are w- other white people still look down on <laughs> them too so like yeah. it was, I, yeah. I, I knew what intersectionality was before you know right. 20 years <laughs> before you, so, you've been living it yes like the you know there's really interesting there's a um i listened to a great there's a podcast working class uh something some podcast I don't know, bad, doing a bad job no not trillbillies um there's it's an academic podcast <laughs> it's way nerdier than uh but maybe there's leslie a, listens a woman but i who, definitely am too dumb for whatever you're talking about there's a woman who came out with a just just finished working on a book that um is an examination of working class of um, not working class of poor whites which were like the historical name for this class of people poor whites which is where, like I said, where I come from. You know, mm-hmm. my grandmother was a sharecropper in Missouri, mm-hmm. um, and uh, it's it's super fascinating because the the way we talk about you know the antebellum South and you know these things we talk about slave owners and slaves right. or ex slaves, post slaves, 
<laughs> ex-slaves. I don't know. Um, <laughs> like they were like, I'm done with this. Uh, the, I give up this. I'm, I'm, tra- yeah. tra- I'm transitioning you know career. This isn't working for me. <laughs> um, but they, what we don't, what is completely erased from the narrative is uh, is the class that were poor whites, right. which were like the majority of the, white people all the, there. All the indentured servants that you, like were. Not even indentured ser- servants, people who had no job, right. who were just literally drunk all the time. All right, we're getting to I, the Irish were slaves too, territory. No, no, no. <laughs> but for, no, they but, were absolutely, they were absolutely they were. not slaves. The they were, were, they were, like, yeah. they were right. economically like, you know, in, uh, in opposition to slavery because it took away all their work. But like anyway, the the point being that like we just basically don't pretend they don't exist. Yeah. And what you right know, this like this vision of the past is like well of course the past all the whites were these plantation owners right. and all and the blacks they don't yeah. exist because like they couldn't read or write and there's no records like I don't know like people are like I'm a white person from Los Angeles I don't fucking I'm white I didn't know that you could be like a special kind of white until I went to college in Boston <laughs> like I thought that that was something we gave up because of what we had done like. Uh-huh. That was literally where my mind was because I'm from California. I don't know. Right. Um, and the um, the reality is that, like, I can't trace my lineage on my mom's side because nobody could fucking read or write <laughs> and we don't have any records. I literally, we couldn't, I could yeah. never figure it out. We don't have, like, you know, and what this woman studied by doing all this, like, very interesting primary source resource research was finding that, like, you know, this category of people attempted multiple times to organize with black right. people. And it was systematically destroyed. People were murdered over it over and over and over the again. The FBI had Fred Hampton killed but before for that the FBI, but way before the FBI. This is like during during slavery and after slavery. People were attempting to do this and it was being dis- just destroyed over and over and over again, right? Like which like again, we know because we right. know that this happens. But it's it's very interesting to just think about the existence of those people. And one of the things that's interesting that you say, Leslie, about, like, knowing how other white people treat them was that, like, the class of people that, like, my grandmother was in were considered not white. They were called yellow huh. for a long time. People who were dirt poor because the color of their skin being dirty, ah. literally with dirt, made them not white in the view of – the ruling class. Mm-hmm. That's where the um, redneck phrase comes from, too. Also, right. yeah, same kind of idea. Being Working. Out. But so this idea that, like, you know, that it's just interesting, the academic approach to it being like, well, we'll use this term intersectionality and we'll, like, make everybody understand. It's like, yeah, like, but if you've lived it, you already know. <laughs> like, you know, like, I, and it, so, so, but it is like, you know, this white women are so susceptible to being weaponized and it's gross and a fucking nightmare. It's horrible. God, just stop. It, I just, <laughs> I, well, like I Amy just, Schumer, the episode I just listened to that you guys did about sex work, yeah. which I'm so oh, glad right. you guys did that because nobody is fucking talking it's about really it. It's really wild that no it's one's talking about that. It's fucking awful. We At Ground Game, we just had um, a member of SWAP come out, SWAP LA, Sex mm-hmm. Worker Outreach Project LA come out. Because they're not get, like Bernie Sanders voted for yes, this bill. Yeah, like, I know. What that the fuck really is going on? Like, how dare you? How dare you yeah, vote for that bill and then be upsetting. out here talking about how Cardi B knows what's up? Go yeah. <laughs> fuck yourself. Like, uh, are you kidding me? And the the uh, you're 100 right in saying that. Everybody, like, you're I'm gonna so make people glad mad. You guys but you're right. No, no, I don't think any of our and listeners because we un- we understand we can do both. We can you know support <laughs> yeah. Bernie. Hold multiple ideas. Yeah, we can support Bernie <laughs> Sanders as like the left most mainstream U.S. politics. And realize all U.S. politicians yeah. are fucking garbage too. Like we yes. can do, yeah. you know, I mean, have look, to do whatever. one or the other. Yeah, I mean, I mean like, heart- here's like what we say in organizing 
is we have no permanent enemies and we have no permanent friends. And that's important. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Interesting. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, if we can, the, you know, the, yeah, I, oh God, I could talk about white womanhood. Well, but but, but Kendall, I think it's really interesting because like one, One three years ago, one thing I've been noticing, sorry, mine's quick. Mine's really quick. Mine's quick. I just want to, I just want to, okay, do it, do it. I'm watching out for and that new, the new, there's a new comedy theater that's starting. That's like, yeah, it's it's like the all female run, the all female run one. One phrase I always look out for from things is when they say, uh, uh, women and POC, when they're like, it's by women and POC. Because what that phrase, that phrase only includes one extra type of women. All other women are in Included in the POC part. Yes, There's yes. one extra it's type ridiculous. that gets included when you say women in POC. Like, yeah, like, it, I mean, it's... I yeah. think, I truly believe that I've been saying this for, for quite a long time now. And uh, I think a few years ago, I really wish I, I had the knowledge I have now because I would have been able to express myself better, frankly, uh, that the neoliberal interpretation of what intersectionality is... Sure. Actively alienates downwardly mobile young white people oh, of and invites yeah. them into the arms of the alt right. Hundred percent. I mean, yeah. yeah, it's it's gross. I mean, yeah, I think. Uh, I mean, this stuff is brutal. Like you it's tough. <laughs> it's just too. Why brutal. do they it's keep? Why do these ladies? What are they doing? <laughs> why is nobody talking to them? It's like, too much. Uh, but and it's like I get it. Well, it's hard, well, and it's hard to give up the privilege that you have. Well, to be like, I, I, I do talk to sorry, these people. I, I talk to these people you sometimes, do? and what they'll say <laughs> is, "Another man mansplaining something to me." Now, I don't right, have to say right, anything right. about sexism. I could be talking about race, which you know, if I was agreeing with them, they would you know hype me up. Yeah, but if I if I'm saying something that disagrees with them or just says like you know that really is not the best way to talk about it there's other way to talk about it. Yeah. then i am just a man now i'm no longer a, well a, yeah this reliance on this gender thing which like again is also another like really complicated thing and and you see it a lot in turfs right like, oh yeah fuck yeah, yeah, turfs yeah. like holy shit yeah. fuck you guys. i don't understand how there are so many of them well like, be- who gives a shit and like that's what I, I do understand well actually, like what it comes from thing. is like you know and like i look i know a lot about this white womanhood thing because i come from like the original capital w white feminist like my mom was like a super mm-hmm. Super second wave white feminist, like super capitalist, like I'm going to get mine, fuck everyone. Like, and, you know, so I saw it firsthand. And like where that came from was that like she grew up in poverty. She was a foster child. She, when she graduated from college in outside of San Francisco, her foster family refused to sign the paperwork on the scholarship she had won to San Francisco Mm. State for creative writing because they didn't believe women should go to college. Guess who got to go to college? Her older brother. Right? Guess who got to retire when he was 55 because he was a millionaire? Yeah. Her brother. Guess who struggled her whole life to fucking make shit happen, right? Right. So it's like the narrative is very strong and powerful for women in that era of like, my gender made this different for me. Right. And, like, so, you know, it, again, it's, like, about contextualizing where it comes from so that we can get to the bottom of, like, what's going on and what mm-hmm. was missing. Um, and so that that part is really difficult to, to parse. Um, and, like, also, like, I'm an intersex person. Like, mm-hmm. I'm – and I, like, have been reckoning with that more because I present completely female. Nobody would ever mm-hmm. know. And, like <laughs> – I um, didn't even know I was intersex until like two years ago because no doctor ever told me anything because they're whatever. 
Uh, but so this thing. gender, this idea about gender, like because of that, I know a lot about what it means to be female or male. And like the turf thing kills me because yeah. like turfs don't even acknowledge the existence of intersex people of which there are like one and a half percent of the population is intersex. Hmm. We just like make it so that their existence doesn't mean <laughs> doesn't anything. Exist. Like they didn't can't they read that famous book that was on the Oprah's book club. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't read Middlesex. Uh, it's like, you know, so there's a frustrating element here, which is like, like exactly what Leslie was talking about, the oppression Olympic shit, which is yes. like a feature of our capitalist culture well, and then so- that says like it has to be a competition and there has to be like a certain amount of points won. Absolutely. Which is fucking garbage. Like and, there's no winning. Like, and so then I- None of this is good. It's in that context, of course, <laughs> that I understand where TERFs come from and right. why they exist. Right. It's like if your ideology is based in the idea that you're winning the oppression Olympics. There's a finite amount of freedom. That there's a finite amount of freedom and you have to win the oppression Olympics. Of course, if that is the base at which your ideology starts, then the next thing is like, oh, these men are like trying to steal my oppression points. These are men disguising themselves to get the points that I got because of who I am or whatever. Because the points do anything? What it comes down to is like at the core, your brain is fucked. (laughs) Like you're like, I don't know. Well, it's Um, twisted because it basically is the fetishization of victimhood. It is yeah. like mm-hmm. it, look, when the conservatives true, talk yeah. about how liberals and leftists fetishize victimhood, they're full of shit. Everybody turfs, wants to be a victim. Turfs, though, like you are basically saying, like because trans people have it worse than than uh, than white women, like we hate them because because there's someone who has it worse. It's also just this than idea us. about that's like, twisted. We want to be the other thing is the idea of like, and, and I always like. The real way that I'm radical that really blows people's mind is that, like, I don't believe in any hierarchy. Like, mm-hmm. I don't believe in ranking anything. I don't care to rank anything. It doesn't matter to me. You consider yourself an anarchist? Kill, you, you cannot work at BuzzFeed. You could never get a job at BuzzFeed. Top Star Wars movies. Name them. Yeah, yeah, not, yeah. You can't be on this podcast even. But, <laughs> like, what, but because fundamentally it's like, what? Who cares if it's worse? It's bad. Yeah. It doesn't matter if it's worse. Like, that is we can, bad. And it is again this radical hope thing where it's like, actually, no, we could change it for everyone. Actually, no, it could be good for everyone. Right. And that's also part of like how we like. I'm trying. I'm. Am I forcing a segue here? I want to talk about ground game. <laughs> yes. 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 So, like, what we did with Ground Game and and why I really want to talk about it is because it's so fucking exciting. Mm -hmm. It's so cool what we've done. Um, Basically, um, uh, a young woman was running for city council in Los Angeles uh, last year, Jessica Salins. Mm -hmm. Um, Oh, she had a billboard. She had a, yes, we had a little billboard. (laughs) (laughs) We did on Hollywood Boulevard at our offices. So Jessica was running for city council, um, young. She was 27. She had just come off uh, being a, you know, and organizing with the Bernie campaign Mm -hmm. and was like, well, I don't know. Somebody needs to do this. Yeah. uh, Basically. And, you know, something to, to, talk about before this is the structure of LA, yeah. which is totally ridiculous. We have 15 city council members in Los Angeles. Uh, to put that in context, uh, New York has, I believe, 51. Uh, <laughs> Chicago, I believe, has 55. Uh, we are... And remind me, we're a physically large city, right? Los Angeles, yeah. So, <laughs> and this is a really important thing that like, is the, the beginning of every conversation I have with a new person about this, which is like, does anybody know how big LA is? Like The greater Los Angeles area, LA County, 
county is like New 13 million people. Yeah. And LA itself is like four-ish million. It's funny. Every time I go over to the East Coast, you're just like <laughs> popping from state to state. Yeah, They're like, let's wild. drive over to like like Maine. Philly and Maine. Yeah. I'm like, like in mm-hmm. when you're in California, like the whole East Coast is in Cal- is in LA. <laughs> it's like just- You know, and again, like having gone, like the context for me of this is like having gone, gone to Boston for college and been met with like people going, where are you from? And I'm like, oh, Los Angeles. And they go, oh, fuck LA. I fuck hate that, that place. Shit. I hear <laughs> that. Fuck that place. And I go, uh, I oh my San God, Francisco. did you, I'm 17, right? I'm in college. I go, oh my God, did you like visit and have a bad time? I would never fucking go. I would never fucking go there. Fuck that place. Weird. Like, and I'd be like, oh my god like I don't know anything about Boston like nobody ever talks about you um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I told like I don't have preconceived notions because your city's it's not important. It's so weird that I, I don't get, know anything I, about you. I have two siblings a, in Boston and uh, <laughs> I like Bo- I mean I like, I like all Boston. these cities. Boston I don't, nice. I, I get this. I'll never live there again. Nah, well it's so cold. Fuck yeah, Boston. Yeah. I'm just joking. Boston's fine. I'm wearing a, a hoodie from I'm Lindsay, joking, Massachusetts no, right now. But what's so weird is like LA is the target of all of this rage from other major cities and I don't know why because We don't I, care though. We don't do well, we that. don't care about anything. Like nine per, like like the last mayoral election, something like like nineteen percent of the city voted. Oh no, it was actually significantly lower than that. Was it, it was eleven point nine percent. Eleven point nine percent. Wow. But here's what here's the thing about that. And like and this is what we learned on the silence campaign, which like so Jessica's running. We I personally found out about Jessica because she reached out to Bill, my partner, and be and we Bill was like, uh some like politician wants to meet me. Like uh, if you're the executive director of a like radical community organizing group that works with public housing residents, like that doesn't happen <laughs> ever. Like that does not happen. Right. So he was like, I guess I'll meet with her. turns out she had been like referred to him because she wanted his input on her housing policy. Hmm. Uh, so he's like, uh, okay. So he has this great conversation with Jessica, comes back home and he's like, uh, I think she might be legit. Wow. Uh, you should go to a meet, like you go to one of the meetings she's having and check it out. See what you think. We'll conference. So I went to a meeting and I was like super impressed with, uh, specifically with what Jessica was saying, which was, I am not the right person to be running in this race. I've only mm. been in LA for four years. I'm a white person. I'm not the person who should be running this, but I am the person who has access and I'm the person who has, I can do it. So I'm doing it. And I know that I shouldn't be the one running it. And what we're really trying to do is represent the people of LA and how we can do this. And going Mm -hmm. forward, I would not be the person that I would put here if I had resources. And she having a theater background had, and as a director had built a team and she knew what she didn't know. And she was building a team and it was really impressive and it was really exciting. And so I was like, all right, I think this is a thing we yeah. should fucking do. <laughs> so we, um, so I started helping on the campaign and, um, basically what we did was we did an analysis based on this. So the narrative in LA is nobody cares, nobody votes. Mm-hmm. And I challenged that narrative and I was like, you know what? <laughs> that sounds like a real fucking easy answer to me. And mm-hmm. I don't think it's true because I've lived in LA my whole life and I know who lives here. And it's people who are really ambitious, people who are really hard hardworking mm-hmm. in particular like when we talk about that we're talking about the rich people in LA we're not talking about actual mm-hmm. the whole of LA and so I was like you know what I think is going and on the whole of LA works much harder than the rich, the rich in LA people. too By that's for sure actually I mean it's unbelievable almost always when people talk about anything in LA they're only talking about the rich people right, so that's which just, I know because yeah. I, f- I you know I grew up here and I moved away and I heard the way people think right. about it. I know all the biases against LA 
Um, which again, like I said, like none of LA is like, if you ask LA about like any city, we're like, oh my God, San Francisco. I love it. Yeah, it's like, so beautiful. Which state is Boston in? New York, <laughs> like, greatest city in the world. I try to get there at least once a year. It's so much fun. I love it. Like it's fucking crazy. Cause we, cause we're not competing. Yeah, no. <laughs> um, but the, anyway, so I start working on the campaign and I do this analysis where I'm like, you know what? Like, I don't think, let me look, let me look a little bit harder because what I think is going on in actuality is I think there's a massive disinformation campaign mm-hmm. going on. My, my sitting city council person, Mitch O'Farrell, who was oh, running for such reelection, an asshole. he's the worst, was running again for, he was an incumbent running. Uh, he spent $600,000 on his city council reelection campaign Mm -hmm. and that's just what he spent that's not including independent expenditures and that's just what we know about Mm -hmm. okay and his entire campaign consisted of mailers basically only Mm -hmm. that said this is how many potholes i filled this is how many trees i trimmed the firefighters love me and if you are running for now if you know about the structure of la which is that there are 15 city council people each of them representing about two hundred fifty thousand residents okay which is enormously powerful if you know that they all have shared interests these are the 15 people who vote on the nine billion dollar la city budget okay which last year 2.3 billion dollars went to LAPD, wow. still the yeah. deadliest police force yeah. in the nation. Still, we haven't okay? even talked Very about well the county and, board yet, and the most militarized. Right. Yeah. So, what's going on is that if you are if you're a sitting city council person and you're telling people how many potholes you filled, that is a deliberate disinformation campaign. Yes. You are mm-hmm. telling people this doesn't matter. Potholes are going to get filled. Right. Trees are going to get trimmed. trimmed. <laughs> so you are saying to people, don't bother voting. It's not that important. Right. And you're not telling people what's really going on, which is that like you are one-fifteenth of the power structure of the second largest city yeah. in America. Okay, You represent four million people and yeah. you sway the way the rest of the country goes because LA is an incubator mm-hmm. for progressive ideas ideas in theory and also which conservative aren't really happening. a lot of the weird conservatives and conservative out of LA. Yeah. so you know this so california goes right so part. goes the rest of the nation okay yeah. like yes the environmental movement started here you know what else did three strikes and you're out we're mm-hmm. fucking responsible for that <laughs> yeah. okay sorry came everyone from here. sorry guys Rodney Rodney King King is is for but sorry, that's sorry. why. But that's why it's important. So we Maybe were like, that's why everyone okay. Hates us. So given this understanding, right? Which is that, and this is a Democrat, right? Mitchell Farrell's a Democrat, yeah. and he's the one. You know, he's out here who's also you know advocating for criminalizing street vending and mm-hmm. criminalizing people sleeping in their cars, and he wants yeah. to institute hostile architecture to keep people from sleeping on the streets. So we know that about him because we've been watching. He's anti cannabis. Here's the other he's... thing: people in LA are busy as fuck because you came right. out here because you want to get something done. Okay, right. so yeah, like. It's, and also, you're also people who are not from here are almost always, unless you're from New York, coming from a place that's smaller than here, where your city council did not matter the mm-hmm, way it matters right. here. Mm-hmm. Like, if you live in LA, you live in a megatropolis and you have massive institutions here. So you're not dealing with your local city right. council the same way. But that narrative is in place for people. So we were like, okay, cool. So if that's the case, how are we going to challenge it? So what we did was we built campaign literature that explained what city council is. Oh, that's cool. We said, this is why it matters. Because really, people are not voting because they don't think it matters. Not yeah. because they don't care. People here care. Yeah, they do. People here really care. We just passed Measure H and Measure HHH, where Los Angelino said, please tax me so that we can build the housing for homeless mm-hmm. folks, so that we can provide services for homeless folks to the tune of 
two with 67 percent 70 percent majorities yeah, I, I volunteered so a little bit with H. there's exactly so there's a mandate for this but we're not seeing that reflected in our electoral the council leadership. is not doing anything with no that it's money, not and neither is the uh, county well board. we've been so anyway i'll get i'll get there <laughs> okay so we were like okay got cool a few minutes <laughs> so what can we do here we can what we can do is uh, what we want to do is target people who don't vote yeah. why would we target why would we use voter data Oh, Nobody yeah. votes here. The turnout was 11.9% in the last election. Well, that's the smallest percentage of people you could target. We're going to target <laughs> the people who don't vote. Tar- tar- target the, we are the 89%. Yeah. Right. So we threw out all the voter LA, data. we legitimately have a silent majority. Yes. We yeah. legitimately And we knocked one. on every single door in our district. We knocked on every door in District 13. Okay. That's 250,000 people. That's a With lot. A, <laughs> an all-volunteer campaign. Our campaign had about... Like our our reported numbers were fourteen thousand dollars. We spent like six thousand dollars of that on an app we didn't use, mm. uh, and so we threw out the data and knocked on every door and told people about what city council is. And we also said if people said I can't vote, which was a lot of people in LA, we have a million undocumented people in LA County, a more undocumented people here than anywhere in the country, which means more deportations out of LA County than anywhere in this country. Because Eric Garcetti has not actually done. He wants anything. the Olympics. Yeah, he wants the Olympics, so he right. wants to actually not protect. Totally. Uh, immigrants so we can get on Trump's side. So when people came to the door and said, I can't vote, we said, cool, like, let's talk, though, because you live here. And it matters. And one of our planks on our platform was we want undocumented people to be able to vote in municipal elections. Because if your kid goes to school here, you should be able to vote on the school board. Like, And we can make that happen here. So what we were saying is, and this is what I think as an organizer in L.A., my job, our goal in LA is to make LA County the most progressive country in the world. Wow. That's the goal. And that's how we have to model for other people what we can do because we can protect each other locally, even in the face of a monster in the White House. It doesn't like, and what, what was, what we dealt with here in LA is people going like, Betsy DeVos and like, right. you know, voting for the charter school candidate in LA County School Board because a, he's a Democrat. You mean right? having a pre planned yeah, celebrity studded march every other uh, Saturday of, the second Saturday of every other month isn't isn't gonna do it. Well, it's but an odd understanding thing. that isn't people stop do Trump? actually give a shit, okay? Yes, and they right. are, and what they're coming at it is with, uh, we have it a forty year attack on public education. I'm shocked nobody knows how civics works. <laughs> like giving and giving people the benefit of the doubt in the fact that they need an education around this stuff mm-hmm. because people really don't understand. And you know, I mean, I had to do a lot of triage after the election of of um, you know groups of new white people coming in and being like we. Displacing Latinos. <laughs> we got here as soon as we could. You know? Like, and uh, and what I had to do was exercise restraint and not go, where the fuck have you been uh-huh, for the last 10 sure. years that I've been asking you for money? Yeah. Um, and instead, because you know what? My board members would never fucking do that. Right. Okay. That's me wanting to be the first white person to the table. Right. And that's that would never happen. Like, you know, Daisy Vega, yeah. my treasurer, would never ever do that she would say bienvenidos okay mm-hmm. like here you are let's go and uh and allowing people the the dignity of of unpacking how bad shit is yeah and allowing them to feel the grief of what it means to have not to have not known what it means to have been willfully ignorant perhaps in some cases or just ignorant um and and get to that understanding is really hard work but it's worth it and we and in la when you have groups like invisible which like 
good job. You're getting people started on stuff. And they're telling people like, call a meeting with your sheriff and tell him you don't like the way they're treating black people. It's like, yeah, if your sheriff is Sheriff McDonald, that might fuck up some of the really important work that organizations of folks of color have been doing, right? Now, I, I don't know if the McDonald land sheriff was named Sheriff McDonald, but I'll, I'll like let it slide, I guess. I think, what was his name? Uh, I'm sorry. But uh, I okay. do think that the Hamburglar. Oh, the so Hamburglar. Let me get to the important point. So yes. the Sounds campaign, we won 15% of the vote um, with no money. Uh-huh. Uh, we uh, And also, here's what's important. District 13, where we were operating, uh, had 20, almost 23% voter turnout or wow. more. Okay? More than double the city of LA. And that's because we knocked on every door right. and we got the majority of the provincial, uh, provincial, pro, pro, what do they call it? Provincial ballots. Provincial. Yeah, provisional, provisional. Provisional. Not provincial. Yeah. Provincial Those are like handwritten. Um, anyway, so what the point was, we were like, oh, this is super effective. Yeah, also, when we knocked on doors, we were like saying things, you know, we were, had a radical platform and people were going like, I believe this, but like my neighbors. Right. And we were like, actually, we just talked to all your neighbors and we're all on the same page because <coughs> people are way more progressive in L.A. than people think they are. Yeah. And so what we did after we lost that campaign, which we kept Mitchell Farrell between the five candidates that were running against him, we kept him to under 60% as an incumbent and nobody had any money. And like, we have him on his heels. It's a big part of why he like supported divest. It's why he supported a lot of things because he knew he didn't have a mandate. Mm-hmm. And I, when I tweeted that at him, he blocked me on Twitter <laughs> for like you know, a they, day and a half and then unblocked me. Once a bunch of lawyers started retweeting it and it got uh, undone somehow. Like elected Congress people and elected city council members and really anybody involved in like when you're elected to a position you should not be allowed to block your constituents yeah, if your really constituents are trolling you so, like but that's but well, here's they the really exciting you. thing that we did was that we took two days after the campaign we invited the other young female progressive candidate to come to our meeting and bless us in our endeavor as we flipped our campaign into an organization hmm. we said you know what we are not we just built this thing right and we are not going to stop doing what we want to do so if the city council won't act the way we think it should which is by supporting its residents providing people which because what we did door to door was we also brought along information of what to do if ice comes to your door mm-hmm. what to do if you are having a landlord situation mm-hmm. what to do if you're in domestic violence situation resources that we think the city council should be going door to door with mm-hmm. frankly in a city like this you have the money for it they have a discretionary budget that they could use to do this kind of work so we were like cool we'll just start a shadow government yeah. whatever we so we flipped it into ground game LA which is which is what we thought was the deciding factor was getting into the onto the ground game um, and Sylvie Shane our other opponent in the race who we were ready it was a Whatever we were, she came in so, and was so like, actually, "Do this thing." Fun fact: I had a friend who was volunteering on that campaign. Yahoo! Uh, well, he wasn't there for that long. But it was my friend Mike, and like I met with like the Sylvie, like the Sylvie Shane people were like walking around the neighborhood. I was actually Sylvie's three, also great. Three blocks outside of the district, so I didn't even vote right. on on any of this. <laughs> so, but uh, I don't know. That was like a thing. Like that's all. It was a big I, thing. It was exciting, and um, so we flipped it, and now, so then we just created this organization called Ground Game, and out of it has come Knock LA, uh, which, because one of our members was like, who is a friend of mine from high school, was like, we don't have an independent LA Weekly. And this Mm -hmm. was before LA Weekly just got completely taken over by anonymous OC billionaires. Yes. But even before that, assault on the city. Even before that, LA Weekly had gone corporate. Mm -hmm. It was the same people who owned Village Voice. That happened when I was in college. So- and we we knew people, writers, who had tried to publish things in LA Weekly that were too hot. 
mm-hmm. for City Hall. And so we were like, we don't have an independent weekly here who would have who would have endorsed or right. at least talked about the Salins campaign. Yeah. Because we there were so many people who were like, Yeah, like I voted for O'Farrell. Like, is that wrong? <laughs> oh, is that is he not good? Because LA Times endorsed him. Right, 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 right. So the the, tr- the, the now, true the true progressive. LA right. Well, the, the uh, LA Times was you know just now they Tronk finally sold it right. to the Tribune's been right to this guy Patron Soon Xiang who yeah. is moving the paper to El Segundo. Yeah. So, but anyway, so we were like, cool. Well, we'll start this independent weekly. Now we have you know Knock LA, which is covering local issues, and we're getting you know eighty thousand uniques a month wow. after launching in June of last year. I mean, it's because there's a huge hole in the market yeah, here. Right. There's a desire for yeah. it for sure. And we started a podcast, and we like because we have a structure where it's like if you want to do something, just do it, and mm-hmm. then we'll figure out how to make it work. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, so where can we find uh, all? Uh, so you your can podcast follow us on all. All the social medias, um, it's called Ground Game LA. We're at Ground Game LA on, on Twitter and on Instagram and Facebook. Um, we also have, but we have weekly meetings in Hollywood at our office at 730 on Thursdays. Uh, anybody can come show up. Like what we try and do is do information sharing. Like we report back on what's going on and we try and bring in other, like we had Swap this week to come and talk about what they've been doing. Um, just trying to help people like get connected to what's going on mm-hmm. here. And and because what we can do in this nightmare of times is we can fight locally and we mm-hmm. can actually really fuck Trump's shit up. Mm-hmm. Like we can stop more deportations in LA County than anywhere else in the country. Like that's our job. Mm-hmm. Our job is to protect people here. Our job is to enfranchise people here. And 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 that's what we can do is build build a bigger thing here. And we have to think more creatively and not be on the defense. We have to be on the offense here. There are places in this country where you need to be on defense right now mm-hmm. for survival. And that makes perfect sense. But we have a different – this country is massive. California has 38 million people in yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. We're like – you know, I keep thinking about how like with Syria going on, people – I'm sure people are like, Syria, California, probably about the same size. Like, <laughs> because we don't have – nobody talks about this. And yeah. the national news media is all based in D.C. Mm-hmm. and New York and, and New Atlanta. York, and that's all they care about. And they talk – talk regularly about California in the same breath that they talk about other states mm-hmm. without going, except that California is seven times this one's bigger. big, of course. This like, one. Yeah, and, these and are important mm-hmm. things for people to know. Yeah. So we can find Ground Game LA online. And what about... Um, what about and power? Your other you can work. find yeah. power. Um, also, we have a Facebook page and a website. Um, and you know, one other thing I want to throw out there too is like, I just want to encourage folks to donate locally. Mm-hmm. Like when you give money, like we as a nonprofit grassroots org, we rely on often on grants from larger nonprofits. So when you're donating to the ACLU, right. that money gets to a local org and a ton of it gets taken out. You donate twenty thousand dollars to the ACLU, that's going to become about five or eight grand in a grant to a local organization after it goes through a huge bureaucracy. I'm not sure if our listeners are donating 20 grand. But. <laughs> <I'm>, <laughs> that's to illustrate. But, um, but, you know, the money that you donate locally goes a lot longer. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if you can donate to our orgs, uh, we have a Patreon for Knock and uh, for the Ground Game podcast, which you can find on iTunes and SoundCloud, all the things. You can hear me talk more on that about where I'm not the host, which is good. And go to my website, How to Not Rape. How to Not Rape. Um, I, I will I'll remember this, uh, this bracelet story yeah. very helpful for me. <laughs> and uh, Charlotte and I have down. a Facebook page, Charlotte and Kendall. We'll be putting out video content soon. You're all over um, the internet. You've got it all. <laughs> I, honestly, I'm not. I should be more. It's so hard. Yeah, being a... a I hate... 
I like online. I like going online. Some days I just uh, sit in my chair and it's like I'm taking a flight. It's like I like sit in an airplane and I'm just online all day and I like get out and I'm like still in my room. But I'm like, I just was like sitting in an airplane chair all day and I'm like, what a wonderful time it was today online. That's why Um, why it's the ergonomic life. life, But you know, ultimately it's like all about going like who should be making these decisions. Like, you know, I have no business telling people in public housing what they should be doing. I don't know about that. I don't yeah. live that life. And they know. And like the fact that we don't, we have absolutely zero representation in Congress of anybody who lives in public housing, anybody who lives, I mean, the, the economic, we're in a class war. Yeah. And that yeah. we're on the front lines of a class war, especially in Los Angeles with this housing crisis. Um, it's a nightmare. It's a, it's a true nightmare. And we're, I mean, I was evicted last year. Like we I definitely have, to have so have much you on we can talk about. <laughs> yeah. Good we have to have you on again. To. It has been good talking to you. It's good catching Thank up. And honestly, so uh, 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 it's been nice to talk to you because I, I, I do fall into that. Like, well, everything's hopeless. <laughs> Fuck the whole planet. And it is good to talk to somebody who like has <laughs> genuinely optimistic, genuinely about, optimistic the about the the future of the world and, and for good reasons, not dumbly optimistic. <laughs> like so many of the optimistic people I know who are just like, it's going to be fine. Cause everything's fine. Yeah, um, no, I don't support being dumbly optimistic. I don't. No, you're smartly optimistic and uh, and it's good to to hear that perspective. It comes from actually like getting into the work with the people who are really most Mm -hmm. impacted. Like, you know, people who are most impacted by this are the people who who know that stuff and that's who keeps me in line. Like, I have to stay in line. I am still at the end of the day a white woman. Somebody's got to keep me in line. And I just Uh, need to keep people around me who are going to keep me in line. We all struggle. I I am myself a uh, white video game loving Star Wars fan, we'll go, white man. Uh, yeah, so gamers I, are the most oppressed people. On gamers, oh yes, yeah. that is true. Yeah. Gamers are the most American, oppressed class. You know yeah. what it's like to be. That is true. That yeah. is true. I want you guys so to talk to Encore Patel, who's running for assembly in the Valley. Oh, is he? Um, he, he uh, so. Is he a gamer? I, we should say that he is a gamer. Okay, okay, but he's running for something <laughs> actual, real. We generally don't have state assembly. We, yeah, yes, we don't. You don't do that. We don't generally have politicians <laughs> on because this will be podcast will be used against them. We would want this. Yeah, I'll, I'll, well, Encore like bristles at when I call him a politician. He's like, don't call him. <laughs> uh, I, I would certainly love to uh, play video games with him. But, uh, the podcast, <laughs> I will just be scared. Really for his case, for his case. Really reasonable. Um, but thanks so much for coming on. Uh, yeah, it's been good talking to you. It. Yeah, so we'll, we'll have to have you on another time. We'll do it again. Uh, Hell yeah, let's do it. Hey all, I'm Bushido Squirrel, and I'm currently hosting podcasts for Ground Game. Ground Game Los Angeles is a team of organizers that focus on hyper-local solutions and problems. We also publish Knock LA, which is our muckraking journalism outlet. We're always starting marches, yelling at Nazis, fighting with customs officials at LAX. If there's a progressive fight to pick in LA, we're going to be there. We know that the best way to seize political power is by activating and organizing your community. And we want to give you some help on that. Ground Game, we're out here. Come join us. Like what you hear? Want to hear more? 
Check us out at patreon.com slash struggle session or sesh.plus or struggle session.substack.com for all our public episodes, commercial free, as well as hundreds of bonus episodes. Thank you to all our listeners for holding us down five years strong.